listening to Covenant of Grace Radio, brought to you by Covenant of Grace Ministries in Greensboro, North Carolina. You may also listen to our Bible studies and contact us over the World Wide Web at covenantofgraceministries.com. Once again, that's covenantofgraceministries.com. I'm your Bible teacher, Burley Moore, inviting you to join us now for today's study of God's Word. We find ourselves today in Romans chapter 3, beginning with verses 7 and 8. The first six, chap- this first six verses in chapter 3, Paul has been asking a series of questions pertaining to man's sinfulness. Now the following thought-provoking questions, which are linked to the previous ones, is why yet am I also judged a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? Verses 7 and 8. For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Apparently it was being slanderously reported that Paul was preaching a perverted gospel like it is today. People love to twist the Word of God. They love to twist the truth of Scripture. Twist it into a lie to satisfy their own ungodly reasoning. Paul never advocated that sinners ought to sin. He never gave us permission to do evil. The Word of God does not delight in us being God's lawbreakers. So Paul never advocated sinners to sin in order to abuse God's grace. The truth of God is that he judges sinners. And it is not sin that, he's, that, sin, that he sends to hell, but God sends sinners to hell. Now God never condones the philosophy that says, Do evil that good may be accomplished. And that was the reasoning that Paul confronted in his day, and I'm afraid it's still the reasoning that we have to confront today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee that God will judge the world in righteousness. God's damnation of sinners is always just, and His pardon is always on the basis of His sovereign grace. The final question in this series of questions is what then are we better than they? Verse 9, Romans chapter 3. What then are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. In the previous chapter, Paul established the fact that both Jews and Gentiles are sinners. Regardless of your race, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of your pedigree, we are all born sinners. The question, what then, means what are we to conclude, or what is the conclusion to that which has previously been said? Are Jews better than the Gentiles? That's the question. Are Jews who were given the Old Testament oracles of God better off 
The answer is no. No. In no wise. All are under sin. Or in other words, everyone is a sinner. The Jew is a sinner. The Gentile is a sinner. The charge is that the entire world is guilty of sin, transgression against God, rebellion against holy and righteous God, regardless of his pedigree. Without a proper understanding of man's depravity, the rest of this epistle would be meaningless. In today's modern world of evangelism, the trend is to ignore this concept of sin, ignore the need for repentance, ignore the fact that there's wrath to come, and to flood the evangelistic preaching, if you want to call it that. I think it's a, a phony evangelism to flood it with what is easy believism. Quote a prayer. Say a few words. Walk the aisle. Shake the hand. Easy believism presents Jesus Christ as a new fad rather than a holy and a righteous God who is going to judge sin. Quoting a few words on the back of a track, saying a few words after a preacher or anyone else for that matter. Going under the water and being baptized, all of these things, this is good in its place, but when we turn it into nothing but ritualism, as the Jews turn circumcision into nothing but a ritual, then I'm afraid that we are guilty, oftentimes in the modern day church, of preaching an easy believism that's sending multitudes of people to hell. Because you see, we're all under the guilt of sin, and until man gets right with God in seeing that he needs to repent and seeing that Jesus died for the penalty of our sin. That's why Jesus died for my sin and for your sin. And until we confess that sin, repent, and ask Jesus to cleanse us with his precious blood, we're all under the guilt of sin. And it's the obligation of the church to preach Christ as man's only substitute who died in our place to suffer our penalty of sin and who alone can deliver us from sin's control and power. The hard evidence against humanity is presented beginning in verse 10 of Romans 3. Paul mentions in these verses several facts that charge all men with being sinners. Verses 10, 11, and 12. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. How much clearer than can the Bible get? Paul starts out by saying that not a single member of the human race measures up to God's perfect standard of holiness. So then he keeps hammering that point repeatedly by saying the same thing in different ways. When Paul says, it is written, he is referring to a summation of Old Testament teaching regarding the sinfulness of mankind. Scripture declares that 
There is none righteous, no, not one. Simply meaning that every person is ignorant of spiritual truth apart from the supernatural revelation of God. Righteousness is being right with God or simply doing right by keeping God's rules. Now there is no doubt about it. No person can ever please God on his own. No, not one. Because we're all guilty sinners regardless of the sin that we commit. There is none that understandeth, referring to the natural man who is unable to understand the things of God. The only way you can understand the things of God, the only way I can understand the things of God, is for God to open my blind eyes, unstop my deaf ears, and give me understanding of spiritual things. The teaching of Scripture is that there is none that seeketh after God which reminds us that it is God that seeks the sinner and not vice versa. Adam did not go looking for God when he sinned in the Garden of Eden, but instead he tried to hide himself from his Creator. Israel did not seek after the Lord. They did not try to return to the Lord when they strayed from Him on numerous and numerous occasions, but it was God that sent the prophets to preach repentance and call them back unto himself. In the story of the lost sheep, it was not the sheep that went looking for the shepherd, but the shepherd that went looking for the sheep. Paul was not seeking God on the Damascus Road en route to persecute Christians, but it was God who went looking for Paul. Paul is the one that got arrested by God and gloriously saved on the road to Damascus. Paul had no intentions of looking for God. He was looking for Christians to persecute and put to death. Man can argue the point all he wants to, but man never, man never, man never seeks after God in his natural state. But rather, if sinful man is ever brought to the knowledge of the truth, it is God that brings him Jesus said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Man will never, man will never, ever have a yearning for God unless God gives him the desire to repent and grants faith to believe. According to Scripture, a lost man in his natural condition will never seek after God but once God saves a sinner, it is the believer who, who will seek after the things of God. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 puts it this way. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Only God gives us the desires of our hearts to seek Him, to ask of Him, and to knock. Today's modern church seeker sensitive movement that structures worship to please the unregenerate is out of the pits of hell. We have lost the meaning of true worship in modern day Christendom. Depraved man has gone out of the way and become unprofitable because sin frustrated God's best for mankind and they became unprofitable to God in their sinful state. 
It's totally, absolutely impossible for man to do a good work, to do a work that is good enough to satisfy God's requirements for salvation because there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Many unsaved people do good works, but such acts are man-centered and not God-centered. Sinful man is out to glorify himself. Well, once that sinful man is redeemed, his desire is to glorify God and not himself. The entire human race has deliberately turned from God, and only by the convicting, converting power of the Holy Spirit and the regenerating grace of God can any sinful person be drawn into righteousness with God. In other words, only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we achieve a righteous standing with God. Sinful man will never seek after God, but it is God that seeks after sinful man. And if you truly seek God today, it's because God has found you and given you a new set of desires. Thank you for joining us in today's Bible study. You may contact us and listen to Covenant of Grace Radio by looking us up on the internet at covenantofgraceministries.com. I'm your Bible teacher, Burley Moore, inviting you to tune in again at this same time each week. Until our next broadcast, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.